Welcome to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. I'm Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. I have science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. Action adventure. I have a donut. (laughs) We take turns selecting from our movie genres, movies that in our, our opinion have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast, you can give them a second chance. This week. On the podcast. It's Tony's pick. Crocodile Dundee. Now, I know what you're saying. There's no vampires in this movie. And you're right. But comedy is open to all of us. It's a hidden genre that we can all pick. And sports movies, I think. I mean, technically, maybe the crocodile could be a monster. Hmm. I mean, it's big. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out in 1986. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it as 89% with the critics and 59% with audiences, which is weird. Usually that's backwards. Mm-hmm. The budget, or uh, Metacr- Metacritic gave it 62%. Uh, budget was $8.8 million and it worldwide gross was $328 million. So it made a couple bucks. Just a few. 320 <laughs> million to be exact. <clears throat> it was written by Paul Hogan, mm-hmm. Ken Shady, mm-hmm. Slim Shady, Ken Shady, uh-huh. Slim's brother. This is really written by Paul Hogan? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He almost got an Academy Award for it. Wow. Because it was nominated for Best Screenplay. Yeah. Really? So he's almost mm-hmm. Academy Award winning <laughs> Paul Hogan. He is Academy Award nominee. nominee. So. And, the, and, and John Cornell, they all... Helped him write he it. Claims that this is based on uh, him him taking a trip to New York mm-hmm. and feeling and like that's how we got the idea. But there also is a perhaps a local legend figure that it's also sort of based on. It's hard hmm. to say, but it mostly seems to be just kind of his brainchild. It was directed by Peter Feynman, who only other credit of note was he did Dutch. Which is a really good movie you can't find anywhere. Yeah. What did you think going in, Carly? I thought... Let me open my thing. I wrote it down. Uh-oh. Oh, I've been drinking and I can't remember. I think I've seen it. But I don't know if I saw more than just the first one. If they're running together in my brain. Just like I thought Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had the kid with uh-huh. the banana. It turned out to be from Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't differentiate them in my brain so I'm not exactly sure what to expect even though I know I've seen it <laughs> John? I thought I hope this movie doesn't have as much trivia as the sequel <laughs> <laughs> has not a lot of trivia it's very un-Cobra like no. mm-hmm. it's not good trivia I thought I just watched this not that long ago <laughs> did you really? uh huh a couple months back within the last six months a hundred percent um and then I was like, I think I like Crocodile Dundee 2 better. <laughs> I have to rewatch them both to say. I do like the second one, though. But stop at the second one. Don't go to the third one. No. Nobody needs to see Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. No. What? Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've seen that. So they have a kid and they're in Los Angeles. That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> I have two reviews. We don't do that anymore. Oh, we don't do that anymore? No. Everybody knows it but John. He hasn't done it three episodes in a row. <laughs> This is from Cedric Catsuits. He says... Oh, Catsuits? Catsuits. Plural. Not just one. No, he's got multiples. Multiple. <laughs> the 1980s was a period when greed and selfishness shish reached an all-time high, whilst taste reached an all-time low. <laughs> this movie perfectly reflects this. Laugh at the ridiculous outfits and wince at all the des- at the desire to be sickeningly ostentatious by all means. But this movie has a darker side, too. The hero is an arrogant, selfish, selfish chauvinistic bully who oh. kills animals illegally for a living. I mean, he's a poacher. As, <laughs> you never really proved that. I'm going to go with hardcore, he's a poacher. It's fine. As this is clearly a vehicle for Paul Hogan, one wonders why on earth did he do this movie? Maybe he's proud of this character? I have no idea. But if this is your typical Australian, then I just don't get the attraction. One out of ten. Disgusting. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> and this one is Ken 
Canand Canandra. Uh-huh. Ken and Audra. <laughs> it almost looks like Ken and Audra, but it's Ken and AF. Roth. Whatever. Paul Hogan, exclamation point. Hogan was the reason for this film's success. He really comes off naturally, and he's very charming. The direction techniques of this movie was only fair, and the story was very simple. But another secret of the movie besides Mr. Hogan is the great screenplay. No wasted scenes, and the story just moves along without with and take it moves along and takes the audience with it screenplay works so well that although the movie is one of the most predictable movies ever the audience can still enjoy the ending I think 10 out of 10 i'm going to spoilers say that i think the entire side plot or plot device of her dad owning the newspaper and then going to his house for that party <clears throat> is all waste and wasn't necessary we didn't need Although, any of that. I did wonder how she managed to have so much money as a traveling journalist <laughs> who I seemed mean, to be able to go wherever she wanted, whenever she wanted, and had a lot of fucking money. It was the <laughs> 80s before the internet and before print died, and I could. but at the same time, like, why would Newsweek give a shit about a crocodile man in Australia. Yeah, it's a really. slow week. And put him up in that hotel. <laughs> to be, the paper <laughs> owner's daughter decided it was interesting. Well, that's yeah. why, because it's the paper owner's daughter. To be fair, I think Newsweek does an article on, uh, like a whole episode on Jesus every year. So, <laughs> not a risk. They do. <clears throat> Alright, so we open on the New York skyline at night. Richard's talking on the phone with his... Uh, Yes, she's his fiance. Not yet. Girlfriend. No, girlfriend. She's his girlfriend now. Yeah, they get engaged later. Getting engaged I know they get on screen. I know, but I think it. No, no they're just. Do they? The... Do they? She yes. never says anything. Um, she does not. She accept. takes the ring. That's a yes. There was no verbal confirmation of this kind. She takes the <clears throat> ring. That's a yes. But even if she didn't want it, I feel like in that time, like in that she takes the particular, ring. Particular. Yes in that particular circumstance, <laughs> you kind of have to take it. You Otherwise, you just made like, a whole weird, uncomfortable scene at dinner. But we can yeah, talk about I that. I feel like she there. doesn't actually accept, and she's uncomfortable the whole time. Anyway, he's talking to Sue. She is in Australia so writing, some, runaround suit. writing some articles about life down under. He wants her to hurry back, but she says that... Uh, what is that? What is that right here? <laughs> she says Gorlami. That, she has come across a harrowing survival tale about this local hero, Michael J. Crocodile Dundee, and she wants to get his story first before she comes back. We cut to a wide-angle shots mm-hmm. of we cut to wide-angle shots of the outback, uh, the bush. <laughs> She's in a helicopter. Uh, Susan helicopter being flown to Walkabout Creek. There she meets a guy named Walter Riley. Uh, he's Dundee's business partner. Wally. Wally, and uh, Wally. he drives her into town. At the bar, she watches the locals uh, punch Donk while he balances a beer on his head. It's their game that they play. Walt says that his friend Dundee was fishing, and a croc uh, destroyed tore his boat open, bit off half his leg, and left him for bed, for dead, for dead. And left him for bed. Left him for bed. <laughs> Those crocs don't fuck around. He was tired. <laughs> oh. Mick crawled for miles and miles and survived. The waitress says. Yeah, he crawled past the hospital into the first beer for a drink. That story gets better. That story gets better every time you tell it. Sue gets her first hint that this all might just be kind of bullshit. (laughs) A knife flies in into the pub and hits the bar. Then we see Dundee in a fist fight with a Dundee. Dundee. (laughs) He's practicing his Australian. Let it go. See Dundee in a fist in a fist fight with a huge crocodile. It's Dole's breakfast. It's all for show. It's stuff. It's stuff. He got it from, what's it, Dead's, All Things Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Mick comes over and introduces himself to Sue. He's part of Never Never Safaris. Never go out with us, because if you do, you never come back. And he snatches up Sue, and they dance in the middle of the pub. And she's like, oh, hold on, hold on. I thought you were missing a leg. And he's like, ah, slight exaggeration. Then Mick shows <laughs> Sue his leg, and it's, um, you know, they're not. It's some mangled. Pretty, some pretty yeah, big scars. There's a big scar. But it's mm-hmm. not half bitten off. But she it's says. bitten off enough that I would have difficulty. <laughs> uh, she says she wants to see where he was attacked. Uh, one of the drunks are sitting near Mick while they're dancing accuses Mick of being a crock poacher. 
Dundee uses one of his thunder punches like Indiana Jones and knocks the motherfucker out. That's the thunder from down under. I think it is very clear that he is a crocodile poacher. He says he doesn't like people using bad language in front of a lady. For the lady. Then he tells Donk, tonight's his night. Donk sets the beer up on his head. They make... Kisses him. Kisses him. And he does drop that beer. And Donk goes to beat the piss out of him. Starts swinging everywhere and everybody laughs. Later, they drive out into the bush. Sue asks him uh, some questions. Why crocodiles? And he says, well, it was Walt's idea. He said it'd be good for tourism. She says, how old are you? He says, I don't know. I asked the tribal elder how, uh, when I was born. He said, summertime. He said, in the summertime. Um, he goes, she says, is there a Mrs. Crocodile Dundee? He says, well, there was once. She's a nice girl, good cook, big. big. <laughs> he says, but then he went. She had a huge feature. He said, big he, things in front of her. He went walkabout for a little while, and when, she retur- when he returned, she never left. And he was or like, she well, had left. She had left. And he was like, well, how long? 18 months. He's like a couple of weeks, or he said a couple months, and then Walter goes 18. Yeah. And she's, she's like, like, and she didn't she stay? She didn't wait? Yeah. No, she didn't fucking wait. You disappeared for 18 months? <laughs> Which in the second one, we find out, it's a bad call, lady. This guy owns a lot of land and gold mines. Don't make. But apparently, he married her without her knowing that, and then just disappeared. <laughs> the laws may be different in the bush. Yeah. Were they married or was she just like his? Well, he said that he didn't say they were married. Yeah. He said the closest thing he ever did was. So who's the man? So I don't think they actually got married. Otherwise, you ever married? Yes. We'll wait for the crocodile to be prequel. I mean, it seems like if he had been married and he was never unmarried, then he they would couldn't still get be married. married. <laughs> Again, who knows? It's Australia. Yeah. They're all crazy criminals. Maybe they were married by the Aborigines and the Australian law not recognize it. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Do we meet her in the second one? No. No, we don't, ever. Never meet her again, man. She doesn't exist. She's croc food. Yeah, but he says that she left, but he might have fed her to the crocs. Like, if you were going to get rid of a body, that'd be He didn't kill a person. I mean, look at uh, Betty White in the... Like Placid. Placid. <laughs> well, she didn't feed her husband to the crocodile. It was an accident. He was just trying to get their horses. Well, they're driving around in the bush, and a water buffalo blocks their way. Nick gets out and does a hypno- hip- sometime hypnotizes on it. So they it lays couldn't, down. So they couldn't how, get by, so he made it lay down. How, how was that better? How does this help? I had the same thought. I'd be yelling, how is this fucking better? He's super impressed because she he does this mind meld and the... Mm. Hmm. And yeah. I was like, Water is this going to be down. like a pet of his somehow? Because nope. almost um, everything he does is, is a weird gimmick. It <laughs> huh? is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Maybe they bump. But it turns out he legit can do this. Yeah. But, yeah, how does it help them? They can't. It's in the middle of the road still. Well, I mean, he is a very <laughs> capable bushman, even if it is a little, even if they do build ter- tourists a little bit, he's also a capable bushman. Which I think you'd have to be if you were a crocodile poacher. <laughs> um, they drive. Oh, they drive past it, and then Sue, Mick, and Walt uh, jump into a boat and start traveling across a large body of water that has crocodiles in it. And she seems like all lounged until he points one out, and then she's like, "Oh shit!" shit. Yeah. Did well, you not think that there were crocodiles? In there? You're in Australia. Anywhere you go, <laughs> there's going to be a dangerous animal. Yeah. yeah. Within arm's reach, I would say. Yeah. Whether it's a bug or a... <laughs> would be talking about that. Like, she'd get up and there'd be, like, lizards in her living room. She'd have to kick them out. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I kept looking, like, she's wearing dresses the whole time. And I'm like, she is covered in bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous ones. We're in Australia. Everything in Australia can kill you. <laughs> At least that's a perspective that I have. It's probably not true. <laughs> There's a lot of poisonous and, and venomous creatures in Australia. Yeah, but they're probably all in the bush, aren't in the seas. Well, they're in the bush. They're in the bush. That's true. She's Once covered they... in deadly creatures. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Surrounded by them and covered in them. Once they cross the water, uh, Walt is, Walt's going to leave. So it's just Sue and Mick. They go off alone to show this to show Sue the attack site. Mick looks at uh, before they before he goes. Mick looks at Walt's watch. And then pretends to tell the time exactly by looking at the sun. And then they hike through some rough terrain to get to his ruined boat. It's torn open on the side. He says, 16-foot croc did it. 
Sue says, you were out here hunting crocs in that small of a boat? He says, no, 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 that's illegal. I was fishing. And she goes, okay, uh, she goes, how'd you get away? She goes, well, he didn't like the grip he had on me, so when he let go to get a better one, I talked him out of it. And then he does the, the thumb across the neck thing. The throat slitting sign. He says, you know, crocs, they don't eat you right away. They, the croc will grab you and take you underwater and put you in a death roll, spin you over and over until you stop kicking, and then they'll take you somewhere, their meat locker, and they stuff you in there until you get tenderized and they can eat you. And she was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrifying. But then she also reaches into his boat and pulls out a, a bunch of pretty large ammo casings. And she goes, so you're just fishing? And he says, well, Paramonday is a bloody big fish. And she's like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. She's a journalist. So she's like, I don't believe any of this shit, crocodile guy. But... But she's got into it. Yeah, she's- <laughs> Let's be real, though. Even if I'm just fishing, I'm going to have a pretty big weapon out on this water because there are crocodiles. Yeah. So but the fact that you shot nine, nine bullets at something, it's like, I hope you were shooting that croc that was trying to eat you mm-hmm. and not hunting. <clears throat> so, like I say, Sue finds this guy equal parts full of shit and fascinating. Nighttime, Mick has a fire going. He asks if she's married. She says she was once. He was a protester. And Mike says, uh, Mick says, so he was a rat bag. She goes, no, he was a nice guy. He was just really into his politics. And he goes, she, she asks him, what about you? And she asks him about politics. He's like, I don't care. You know, it's like fleas on a dog, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make any difference. Who would he tell about his politics anyway? And while he's talking to her, he just grabs a snake and <laughs> breaks its neck and throws it away. And she goes, was that poisonous? Oh, yeah, highly poisonous. That just stick near stick near me uh, until the, till the day tomorrow, and everything will be fine. And then they put down. She has a uh, sleeping bag next to the fire. He's just laying on dirt. And she looks in her sleeping bag like, let me make sure. Smart. That <laughs> yeah. yeah. So later that night, Sue is awakened by gunfire. Gunfire. Uh, the local drunks that they saw that you saw earlier just driving around in jeeps shooting kangaroos, and Mike, Mick is gone. I didn't want to say Mike. Mick is gone. Sue wanders around. Mick. Sue wanders around. Eventually, Mick finds her. Sue says, you have to do something. Mick says, well, I mean, there's no law against shooting kangaroos. And she stares at him, and he's like, all right, fine. So he goes and gets a large dead kangaroo and <laughs> sets it up like it has a gun. And then he starts, starts to shoot the drunks until they all leave, scared to death of the shooting kangaroo. And Sue cheers for him. But, yeah, I mean, if it's not a crime, just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that I need to interfere. Although they are drunks with guns. Shooting at you, kind yes, of. Yes, <laughs> they are shooting in your general direction. There may be a huge kangaroo population that they need to control, so they're like, yeah, kill them. Yeah. They do that with well, animals all the time. Well, I'm pretty sure one of the hazards of, you know, civilization is we kill off the large predators that might feed on the kangaroos and then mm-hmm. if they don't have any predators then they get out of control so it probably helps to keep the ecosystem in check probably and perhaps they were going to collect them i don't know do people eat kangaroos <laughs> i'm sure people eat anything so i'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people eat kangaroo meat. <laughs> that, might, that might taste like fucking pumpkin pie even yeah. <laughs> like we know that he eats alligator Guana, yeah. It's it tastes like shit. Bats in the second one. In the morning, Mick is shaving with a disposable razor. Sue walks over and he hides it really quickly and switches to her knife, but she sees this and starts laughing and plays along. She starts to record some thoughts that she had for the article that she's writing, and she tries to explain how she would feel out here all alone. Um, and Mick is like, "You out here all alone? That's a joke." You wouldn't last five minutes out here. So, you know what the lady was looking for? The most dangerous thing in Australia? Yeah, say bras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are pretty dangerous. But they're only in the big cities. Oh, that's right. Also, she gets so like insulted by the fact that he says she's only a Sheila and would not last five minutes in the bush. And she should not be that insulted. It's not really because, like... Oh, because she's a shit. It's really because she's, she's from the city. It's just yeah, no experience. And also, you're from a completely different country, and Australia has a lot of dangerous wildlife. Yeah, she gets a you little upset about it, but I would stick with you Mick. Don't know <laughs> it's what. like she's triggered by him saying, it's because you're yeah. a woman. 
Yeah. But it's even, not because she's a woman. It's because she's, she's not from here. I mean, he, she's he from is a, a little New York misogynist, City. fine. But also, she shouldn't be mad about whatever he reason he said, because she should fucking agree with it. Yes. Yeah. Just like Sandra Bullock, the jungle eats people like us. Yeah. The bush is going to eat someone like her. Yeah, and she almost dies. If he hadn't been following her, mm. she would have been dead. But he does like her moxie. Yeah. No, that's her butt. He likes. He likes her. He likes her butt. She does have a nice butt. Well, she grabs. <laughs> he tells her to take the gun with her and shoot a couple rounds in the air if anything happens. She shoots the gun, the ground next to his foot. And I'm like, sorry. I what? I use this. I know you use the weapon. So he says something misogynistic. All right, cool. You don't get to shoot at him for that. He should kick her right in the nose. She shot at the ground. Next to his foot. To show that she knew how to fire a weapon and was capable to handle it. Really? And he because was she into it. She, she didn't line up her sights or nothing. It doesn't make it okay. She didn't line up her sights or nothing. That is not the parameters that this podcast has previously established. No, no. If no, he's no. into it, it's okay. Shooting at someone is never okay. He was into it. Well, Sue hikes on. Milk is... Uh, Who's your gun safety? Milk is... <laughs> Mick. What? <laughs> Mick. Well, it looks like milk. Mick... <laughs> It's because my like, I'm Harvey Milk. Like sorry. Do you need to get your reading glasses, sir? I might. Got your eyes on, son? Maybe. Do you want John to hold your notebook? No. Across the room? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> if the comedy stylings are over. Never. Mick is stealthily following her. Sue stops at a watering hole to refill her canteen. She takes off her pants to reveal she's wearing a thong. Which she's, is probably not comfortable walking around this the bush. One, this very 80s high-cut, French-cut bathing suit underneath this very lightweight skirt. And she has on shoes she can kick off. Were you hiking through the bush in flip-flops? I'm like, she got... Because it looked like she was... Whatever their equivalent of ticks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nick stands Scorpions, up. I don't know. She got shit all over her. Yep. <laughs> Nick stands up fast to see and bonks his head on a low-hanging tree branch. Which is, but wasn't in the movie. He actually was just trying to oh, see right? her butt. <laughs> and she does have a nice butt. Mm-hmm. There's your ass chat. So Sue dips, <laughs> Sue dips her canteen into the huge, into the lake or whatever I mean, is, is that fresh water? How did she know? I was like, she I didn't know, even she didn't <laughs> check <laughs> nothing. drinking Australian water you could from see, their bottles. <laughs> you could see, like, there were lily pads and whatever. That water was not really moving where, like, you yeah. don't, you only get water from where it's moving, not from where it is still. And you Stagnant. boil the fuck out of that first. I mean, there's fresh water. You could drink fresh water, but is that fresh water? And I don't does think talk so. About, like that's mineral <laughs> water. Like he knows, but she doesn't. <laughs> right. But I'm way, sorry. I'm, I I'm, I'm boiling that water. Yeah. And in my vast experience, of people from New York City, let me tell you, they don't know how to tell the difference between fresh water and salt water. Well, and, and there's parasites. Everywhere she is is salt. There's parasites and other bacteria in that water that her as a local. That someone as a local might be used to, but her as someone from a completely different country would not be used to. Yeah. Hence, things like Montezuma's Revenge in Mexico. Like, the locals drink that shit, and they're fine, but you're not used to that. And that's Mm -hmm. why everybody gets sick. Well, as she's refilling her canteen, a huge crocodile grabs it and yanks her. It's the strap of it still around her neck, so it's pulling her forward. And I guess she doesn't slip out of it because... She can't. Because she's panicked. I mean, if it's pulling you, she could yeah. she could duck you her could head duck under yeah. it, but then you're well, pushing terrified. her head closer to a crocodile. Yeah, that right. would be yeah. putting her head closer to the. You, you, there's well, you know what? It's either that or you're dead anyway. Yeah. But it, she's because that croc, if it's holding right now, it's just holding her. As soon as it jerks, she's going. It's a high pressure situation. You're not, not you don't know what kind of decisions you're going to make till you're in it. And she froze. Her right. fight or flight response was broken. Mm-hmm. Well, Mick charges across the ground. No. And dives onto the top of the croc. He buries his massive knife in the beast's skull and twists it. The beast's skull? Yeah. A little frosty. That's why you're the writer. <laughs> well, a little much on the frosting. He hugs and comforts but Sue as she's her. And then give it a chocolate frosting and she says, Shit! <laughs> Later that night. He says, Hey, what's that smell? I'm just sorry. <laughs> Later that but night. Yeah, it's a little much. Sue <laughs> says, You were right. This territory is dangerous. It's no place for a city girl. And Mick says, nah, you know, the way I hear it about cities, they're just as dangerous. So Sue's bottom has apparently gotten scratched up. So Mick, cough, cough, applies ointment <laughs> to it. But then he hears something moving around, and he goes to check on it. He is rendering first aid to a lady. Yeah. So Sue's left alone. 
and an aborigine appears. She's terrified, but then Mick's blade appears under the man's throat. And Mick's, the aborigine guy says, Mick, you frightened shit out of me. <laughs> he, so he... I ain't gonna be here. I'm uh, putting first aid on the line. <laughs> is that what you were He's doing? like, is that? think that's what you were doing. <laughs> so Mick introduces his friend to Sue. His name is Neville Bill. Neville Bell. So this actor is a very famous Aboriginal actor and um, he is cons- he choreographed the dance sequence himself because he is very famous. Because as- he's Aboriginal? No, because he's like he, he's won awards. He's like this very highly well-known Aboriginal dancer. Mm, that's like, cool. He, he's pretty famous in the right circles. Well, Neville's on his way to a tribal meeting. Sue wants to take his picture, but he tells her he can't. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. You believe it'll take your soul away. Which is offensive. I'm sorry. Yes. He says, and he's like, no, your lens cap is on. And he says he's from the city. He yeah. only comes out here because his dad wants him to. Exactly. But Mick wants to go, too. Um, and Sue's like, oh, okay, well, cool. Let's go. And he goes, no, no, you can't go. Women are not allowed at these meetings. And she's like, oh, fine. Which... Like, she gets upset about this, too, but, like, this is somebody else's I mean, culture, yeah, you and you don't just yes. get to go. Yeah, but that's well, what America She's is. an American woman, and she feels like she can do whatever well, she wants. Well, she's a nosy, busybody reporter, too, which is why yeah. she follows him mm-hmm. and why he knew she would. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, that, never, that, that shit'll get you killed. Like, if they find her, they may have just, all right, she gotta go. Loose ends. So, Neville walks away, and uh, Sue's like, how does Neville know where he's going? It's pitch black. He goes, well, a lot of people around here believe that they're telepathic. They think their way. And, and she's like, really? And then you hear Neville going, fuck, god damn it. Because he's smashing himself. <laughs> he I hate the bush. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, later on we see the tribe doing a, uh, like a fire dance, a tribal dance, I don't know what it's called. They're doing their around the fire. And Mick is all painted up and he's sitting with the elders. Sue had snuck over there somehow. And uh, she goes to take a picture. And as soon as she aims the camera, Mick looks her over right at her. So later, Mick comes back to camp. Sue's laying down. She's not asleep, though. And she goes, Mick, are you telepathic? I'm not sleeping if Mick Dundee leaves me alone in the middle of the I, bush I, on the no. same day that I had a crocodile encounter. Yeah. No. I'm awake. Well, she's coming with you. I'd be like, look, I understand women aren't allowed. She'll sit right there Can you and park face me in the same that area? way. But I'm not leaving this chick alone in the bush because, goddamn. Ah, she'll be falling. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I mean... He would You're gonna be murdered by if bugs he was or? really worried about it. Take her camera away and have her sit right there. You could blindfold her and gag yeah, her and put her in a tree or whatever. But you're gonna keep her safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is unreasonable for her to think that she can document this right. when she's not supposed to be here and she doesn't have any permission. But either way, she asks Mick if he's, if he's telepathic. Who says no? It's simple common mm-hmm. sense. You're a woman. You're a reporter. So that makes you the biggest biggest busybody there is. She laughs. She goes, Which okay. is sexist. I can take that. But she's okay with it. And she says, um, you know, I can't believe you know, something like, I can't believe being here, that that crocodile was really going to eat me. And he goes, well, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't put that against him. Like, the thoughts crossed my mind a couple of times. Nah. And they, they both laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Next day, um, Mick and Sue are hiking. He says, here's uh, pretty much where I almost gave up. Uh, I thought I was going to die. And she goes, were you afraid? And he says, no, because I read the Bible once. And Jesus and all those apostles, God, they're all fishermen just like me. So me and God be mates. <laughs> but, you know, whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> so he leads her to what's called Echo Lake. It's a large mineral, mineral lake, so there's no crocodiles. And he kills a goanna and collects some grubs for them to eat. He said there was lots of food here. Sue mm-hmm. eats a few of the bugs or whatever, and she goes, are you going to have some? And he says, nah, and he pulls out some canned food. He says, you can live on that, but it tastes like shit. <laughs> Afterwards, they go for a swim, and then Mick does some spear fishing while Sue watches and gets a wetty. Mm-hmm. Sue asks if uh, Mick will come to New York with her, and he's like, why would I do that? And she goes, it would be a great ending for the story. And Mick goes, oh, okay, I thought you were making a pass at me. She goes, would it be okay if I did? And then they start to kiss. And I'm like, uh, okay. But then Walter Well, at this point, we don't know about Richard. We do. We, oh, do. we, we know. We know. The first thing she did was talk about Richard and yeah. say, I love you. I can't wait to see you too. Okay. So I didn't watch the very beginning of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so did 
did miss the first five, ten minutes. I came home, and Tony was at the point where they're in the bar. <laughs> and he comes in with the crocodile. And at no point did I yeah, get around to the watching the very beginning. <laughs> Either way. So Sue, tell, Sue tells Walt, she goes, look, Mick's going to come with, to me with, to New York. And Walt says, no, there's no way that's happening. And she goes, well, the paper will pay. And Walt goes, well, you know, man, shit. Well, <laughs> Here's the other thing. She's like, well, the paper will pay, but the paper isn't going to pay. Like, like they're going to pay for his do trip. These walkabouts. No, but they're going to pay for Mick's trip, but they're not going to give him like another thousand dollars. I mean, they I might. Know. It's just his dirt. It's her dad. And apparently, it turns out he doesn't need the money anyway. But Wally right. can't <laughs> maintain their business without him. Yeah. While he's gone. Whatever their business is like is this in season is it out of season is there no a season idea. yeah but anyway we see it's mick... just a cover for mick to be a poacher anyway <laughs> maybe maybe he, yeah it's really but wally's lifestyle is sustained <laughs> off of i mean mick. he is head to toe in crocodile guts so he's got crocodile teeth on a necklace on his crocodile shirt <laughs> and his crocodile hat surrounded in crocodile teeth hey man you might be a poacher i mean <laughs> There's only so many crocodiles who attacked you. More than one crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then later he's got a crocodile shirt on and he, like the guy wears a lot of crocodile stuff. Well, you know. I mean it's his name, yeah. but how many how many how much is that in self defense? I mean Gowana Dundee doesn't sound as cool. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Dingo Dundee. Dingo Dundee. Kangaroo Dundee. No. Actually, Dingo Dundee has a nice little... Uh... <laughs> Old Dingo Dundee. The double D, they call him. Yeah. Koala Dundee. Koala, koala Dundee. Dundee. <laughs> it's not as cool when he has, like, koala skin on his head. His koala toe skin jacket. Koala teeth on a necklace. Like, you know what is You're cool kind of a bully. Tasmanian Dundee. Tasmanian Dundee. We see Mick on a plane. He has a tough go, but he makes it. Uh, they land... And then, uh... They flew from Australia to New York. That's a long a flight. Long time. Time. Yeah, super For somebody who has never even been to a city? And in the I'm 80s? Sure this is quite a shock. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that he's never been to Melbourne. Or... Well, yeah. that's what he says. Whether or not it's true, he's another unreliable narrator. Yeah. He's full of he shit. He might just be a hit. He might just be some hit. <laughs> yeah, he may have never gone, but he's not as unreliable as that last one. I mean, well, he no. might have been in bigger areas of Australia, but... I mean, he might never have been into... No, but Melbourne or Sydney is not as big yeah. as New York City. Well, they land. I don't know. And Sue kisses her boyfriend, Richard. And then Mick comes down the escalator. He has a hard time with that. <laughs> Richard tells Dundee that uh, New York has 7 million people living there. Mick wow. Says, wow. Sydney has 5.3 million people in it. Now. So you, yeah, we'll, not in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a million and a half off, maybe. So it's still a big city. Yeah. Um, Mick says, wow, 7 million people that all want to live together? New York must be the friendliest place on earth. Their live with limo driver is Reginald Bell Johnson. The dad from Welcome Family back from Man. Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, that dude randomly appears in shit. <laughs> yeah. Mick tries to talk to a rando at a stoplight. Um, then they take Mick to the plaza to stay. He asks the driver... This is what, a nice hotel you're putting him up in. Yeah. Mick asks the driver what tribe he's from. <laughs> Reginald's like, I'm not from a tribe. Mick says, well, no uh, black fella back home has a flashy car like this, so you must be doing all right for yourself. Reggie smiles and shakes his head. Okay. <laughs> Richard uh, leaves, but he, before he goes, he sets up a dinner date with Sue. Sue says, well, let's go to this fancy restaurant that they like. And she's like, okay, cool. And he goes, don't forget table for three. And Richard rolls his eyes. He's already, he's but, already heard enough I mean, about McDonald's. Honestly, you can't expect her to not take this guy with, out to dinner on his first night. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're back in town. I missed you. Let's ditch this dude that you brought back with you. Yeah. That's not really that cool. Unless he's painful. exhausted. That was a long it fucking should be, Let's yeah. take him to his hotel and let's settle him down for a nap. And then we'll go back to my house and fuck, and yes. then we'll pick him up for dinner. Yeah. That's what you do. Yes. <laughs> I need a shower from that 24-hour flight I was on. Yes. He'll be like, we'll go back to my house. I'll help you take a shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just lay there. I miss yeah. my lady. Well, Mick tries to get accustomed to... You talking about sex? <laughs> okay. To having a huge room at the plaza and the modern appliances, TVs, a bidet, smoking. He's smoking in the room. 
Uh, he it says was the 80s. Yeah. He says, uh, TV, yeah, I, I saw that. I remember seeing that. He turns it on, and it's I Love Lucy. He's yeah. like, yep, that's what I saw. <laughs> turns it off. He's got a cigarette, and he can't find an ashtray, so he starts ashing on top of his yeah. hat. <laughs> so Sue leaves. Mick goes and walks all over the town, says good day to everybody. Oi, I'm Mick Dundee from Australia. The streets are all packed with people, but he's kind of walking against the flow, so he doesn't quite get it. And he climbs up on a signpost to see better. And a mounted patrolman comes over and befriend, Mick befriends him, and he gives him a ride back to his hotel on the horse. And gives him back his big-ass knife. Gives him back his big-ass knife. In New York City. Though you're going to prison. <laughs> it was eight. Ah, uh, even then. At the restaurant, Richard is already there and quite toasted already. Sue comments. He's been waiting for a while. <laughs> Sue man comments on it like he might be a bit of a drunk. And then the three sit down. Richard uh, constantly is throwing barbs at Dundee. Uh, it must be nice for you to have to eat some, to be able to eat something without killing it. I don't think they have any kangaroo steaks or possum grits. Blah blah blah. He keeps giving Dundee shit, and Dundee just takes it. He's like, okay, whatever. Um, and then uh, he says, uh, Sue says something nice about him about some of the food that Dundee made, and Richard's like, how about MBMs, huh? And Richard's like, oh, well, then maybe he should order for all of us since he's so, you know, well-knows about food. And then Dundee's like, well, I don't know what you call it, but i like to see what that one lady over there is eating. And then Richard, they both look over there, and he fucking thunder punches <laughs> oh, can Richard, drink. The, Richard the fuck out. <laughs> and he does not recover from that. No. It's like, he said you hit him. <laughs> so Sue and Mick get in a fight he in the car. Like, he was being a jerk. And she's like, I don't care. It's not okay. This is a walkabout <laughs> creek. You can't just punch people out. So they get a big, far, uh, big fight in the car, and that's what it is. Uh, the car drops Sue and Richard off. Uh, Mick asks the cabbie where the local pub is, and the cabbie's like, well, I just finished my, my shift, so they go drinking together. He says, I'm Italian. I could drink you ones at a table. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> so Mick you ever seen a Foster's? That's Australian for beer. Guppy. It's fucking huge. <laughs> so Mick meets some colorful characters while drinking. One in particular is a tall woman who he's taken by. And, uh, Gwendolyn. Mick, Her name is Gwendolyn. Mick gets a little flirty with Gwendolyn. And Danny the cabbie takes Mick aside, Mick aside and explains to him that she is trans. She's a man. Mick's like, well, what? She's, she's a man, dressing. baby. She's not necessarily well, trans, but whatever. she's... I she might be. You don't she know. She is dressed, as, dressed a as a lady, but yeah. she is, in fact, a man. Right. She's <laughs> presenting as a woman. Yes. <laughs> which I would... She, I would say she was trans. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Either way. But she, he grabs her right by the balls. It's like, oh my gosh, she's got a dick. Yeah, he doesn't believe it. He walks over and <laughs> pats her crotch. And Tony had paused. And the I sexual was like, assault. Whatever is about to happen is not going to happen. Right. Not sexual assault. <laughs> so she, assault. she freaks out and leaves while everyone laughs. So I, I make a little aside. This is the 80s gang. This was very... We weren't quite as sensitive to this stuff yet, so it's kind of hard to watch. We just let it go. We're better. We're better now, a bit. But they also <laughs> say the FAG word. And, you know, it's well, the, the problem here is that he grabs this lady's genitals, which is not okay, ever. <laughs> well, then it's also the and he's everybody like, just laughs check at her. And, yeah, no, he's but like the. The gay jokes are one thing. Yeah. But the problem here mm-hmm. is that the charming hero grabs her genitalia. Doesn't matter what that genitalia was. It would have been just as bad as if he grabbed her titties. Yeah. It's not okay. She is not into it. She's mm-hmm. also... She was into she it. She was into it until first. Until then. No, not until it touched her. Well, that'll change. It's a mood changer right there. Grab a girl by the balls. What? I, I don't know. Actually, I worked with a dude once. This is a bizarre story. You grabbed his balls? No. I worked with a dude once who was talking to me about his ex-wife. and Her balls? Apparently, one time he came home from work, or she came home from work, and he was cooking dinner or something, mm-hmm. and she came up and tried to just grab him like that, mm-hmm. and he was like, I was not okay. <laughs> the, way I find, the way I find this kind of stuff like I is... I was in the middle of something. I was not into it. Even if you're, even if you're in a situation with people that you can fondle them without it being a problem kitchen is not a good place to do it <laughs> because there's hot surfaces and knives and plates i think the kitchen is very sexy room <laughs> is it sexy if you could Some turn around with a knife do. in the face it's a common sex scene I think place the, I is think the, the kitchen. kitchen is very sexy and the it's reason dangerous 
And the reason why is because love and food go together. Like one of the ways you show your love for someone is by cooking them food or getting them food or feeding them. So do that in the dining room. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Where the food is. I don't think that's On that table where you eat. Not near hot surfaces. I find the kitchen to be a sexier room than the bathroom. And plenty of people have sex in the shower and I don't know why. Uh, That's... (laughs) That's dangerous. Up, that's up to uh, Sharon It's Stunden. more dangerous to me than having sex in the kitchen. I don't know, man. Even if the stove is on. <laughs> you have sex in the shower, you could break a hip. You, you see Elaine's stance on this. Yes. What have you found there? There's sex on the counter. It's a pretty good hike. And everybody's safe. Well, Mick goes outside with Danny to find his cab. Danny leaves Mick alone to... Once he thinks he knows where it's at, and Mick sees two women dressed up standing on the edge of the street. They're hookers. Mm-hmm. Mick tries Obvious to, to us, not to him. Yeah, Mick tries <laughs> to flirt, not aware of what's happening. One of them has heard of Crocodile Dundee. And Read Sue's, about him in the papers. In Sue's articles. And Simone says, one of the girls says, well, hell, we'll just have to give you one for free. Mick's right. like, one yeah, one what? <laughs> and then the girl's pimp rolls over He's around like, hey. the corner and, appreci- and approaches Dundee. Says, hey, man. You're gonna chat all night, or you're gonna and he says fuck one of them, but they so, edit it so it's, he says screw one of them. So when I remember him saying fuck, like when died. did they change this? I don't know, but you can tell he goes fuck, <laughs> but he says screw. <laughs> and where did we? Watch but he this? says fuck Is this later. On so Disney? where did we watch it? HBO. We, HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max. Or no, we watched it. Yeah, we watched it on HBO, HBO Max. Oh, I can't so I wonder when they changed it. I remember being a kid seeing it and them saying. They probably fuck. edited it for TV. And they, because they and changed. They might, it's PG thirteen, right? I think they changed so PG thirteen to just one fuck. The, uh, might have been. Here's the thing. I'm sure this is the TV edit. It's not the original because a lot of times when they license out things to different platforms, it depends on what edit they have. They might not even have the original theatrical cut to. Man. Anymore, they might only have the TV version. But he says fuck later in the movie. He does say fuck later, but this is a better fuck than later, because later he says something like, "What are you fucking looking at?" or something stupid. You're like, "Dude, you should." The the better fuck was the first one. Which they might have changed. I I don't know why they changed it, but whatever. Let's just move on. Either way. Well, Dundee doesn't like that kind of talk in front of uh, ladies, so he thunder punches him into the fucking unconscious. Hadouken. (laughs) So, Danny shows up and they split. Mick says. you have so, you, you, and the Mick drives. He goes, you know why you have so many accidents? Because the steering wheel's on the wrong the damn side of the car. Mm-hmm. And then he drives on the wrong side of the street, and the hookers are reacting to him, almost smashing into everything. Out of the way, you doll, but you're on the wrong side of the road. So the next morning, Mick is taking a bath and washing his clothes at the same time like you do. <laughs> you don't do that? No. Well, you know. And Sue messes with him, making it seem like his cleaning lady is flirting with him. Sue and Mick go around. They take pictures of him all over New York for the article, and she gets him some hot dogs from the street vendor. Uh, you can live on it, but it tastes like shit. No, they don't. Those are delicious. They're She's disgusting. an asshole. <laughs> I don't want a lot of shit on them, but there's I'll, a I'll reason the they dogs. call them dirty water dogs. Because the no, I don't want to talk about it. We we had some in New York, and, and they were delicious. It was gross, and I like hot dogs. So good. It's a nostalgia thing for you. It's, it's, an, it's an acquired taste because it definitely does well, not taste like a regular hot dog. Water, not New York I don't boil my hot dogs. I, know, and I don't eat hot dogs, but if I did, they would have to be grilled, not boiled. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like I oh, need that. But you can't grill I will say sometimes we have them at work and we boil them for that. And I don't have a problem eating a boiled hot dog. But the way that they specifically tasted in New York was gross. Well, while, Best hot dogs ever. While watching a barber shave a man's head. And his wife. <laughs> a criminal knocks a woman's groceries out of her hands and steals her purse. Mick snatches up a can of beans or something, <laughs> times it, <laughs> fucking watches it, nice. and knocks the fucking criminal out. Everyone cheers. Boy. So he takes Mick to a big party. Mm-hmm. Simone the hooker's there. And, uh, hey, Simone. <laughs> Sue introduces Mick to an elderly woman who has masculine-ish looks. Mick smiles yeah. and palms her crotch. She's shocked, but oh, she's kind of into, into it. it. She goes, well, he's Australian. She goes, well, maybe I better go there sometime. Mm-hmm. So then uh, he runs into a guy. He's doing cocaine. He <laughs> tells him. That's that, not how you do it. I'm sure I had it. Yeah. He says, you got a blocked nose? And the guy's like, yeah, that, that's it. And he takes his cocaine and puts it in boiling water and puts a towel on his head. He's like, here, here you go. <laughs> That'll clean you up in about 10 minutes. And he's like, okay. He's like, I've never done like this. And he's like, 
<laughs> and, ne- and next time you watch this, pay attention to the extras dancing in the background because they're amazing. Later, Mick calls Walt. He says he's having fun, but he's probably going to stay for a little while. Walt says, cool. Nothing really happens there. Later that night... Walt uh, gives him shit for staying because of a woman. Yeah, Sheila. Later that night, we get the big scene. A young punk pulls a small stiletto out to Mick <laughs> to try and rob him. He's like, he says, give it to him. Why? He has a knife. That's not a knife. <laughs> pulls that fucking... Yes. It's a knife. Like, That's a giant knife. ass knife. And, and then cuts up his jacket. Cuts his jacket up. And the kids run away and she's like, oh my God. And he's like, ah, oh, just kids having fun. <laughs> Mick has saved Sue again. And this time she kisses him and it fades to black. Now. Okay. She's being in the romance aficionados that you are. Does this fade to black mean that they banged? I don't, I don't think so. I don't no? think so. Okay. I, I mean, know. you could interpret it that way if you felt like it, but I don't think that they I did. think so. Because I don't think Mick is he's, he's, sure he's, uh, of her feelings. Cheeks, mate. Because mm. he's seen her with her fiance or her with Richard. You know? said they belong to this me. is well. Let's talk about this now. So she flirts with him multiple times, but yet we know Clearly about Richard. What is she doing with her life? Spending. She's spending daddy's money, living her best life. Yeah, but it's not okay to have. Here's my problem with this. Because I've seen this in real life, and I've seen this in many, many, mm-hmm. many movies. Mick is the new shiny thing. He's also all quirky and stuff because he's from Australia, mm-hmm. and he has all these weird things and he's stuff. He's from where? But after like, after like three or four years, all that shit's not going to be exciting anymore. No. You're going to be like, yeah, he says it this way, and he eats that. Okay, you know. It's just like and any other relationship. You're like, oh, Carly hates bananas, but, you know. I'm Carly like, hates bananas. Whatever. Carly ate the banana cream pie like, or the banana pudding donut. Yeah. Carly doesn't eat beef. That's right. the I'm struggle saying, with me. <laughs> I'm just saying. All these and super, she laughs too All much. these super crazy, weird, fascinating things that about beef thing is weird are going to wear off. But here's my thing. Like, we see it when she's with Richard, they, they clearly seem to care and love each other. And we see this. But then when she's not with with, with Richard, with she Richard? has no problem, like, flirting and it's kissing. It's like, out of sight, out of mind. Now, yeah. if they had shown Richard with another woman, like, at the bar where Doesn't he's drunk, make it okay. then it might be clear that they kind of had a more open relationship. Yeah. And then it would play differently. But that's not what happens. And then it would give her a reason to be so shocked that he asked her to marry her. Because they have a more open relationship, but they don't show that at the all. Thing Richard... So then it just looks like she's some Jezebel. Yeah, yeah. some hussy. Hussy, like... hussy. Damn, <laughs> she feel like she doesn't way back know what she wants. <laughs> yeah, but I just some I don't Harley. like the way they play it. I think they should have made it clear that her and Richard weren't so serious. Well, that's not what they did. So, I, uh, but I just they could have they could have they wouldn't a, do that shit now. They could have put a little more emphasis on one of the characters being more than they are. To help yeah. this story move along, because as it comes out, it makes, and, it makes Sue in a bad light. And it doesn't makes seem Sue like the bad she's more giving Richard. Mick enough to, for him Richard to is want not to the stay. Bad guy. He's being shitty to a guy that is obviously eyeballing his girl the whole time yeah. at dinner, and she just can't say enough nice stuff about him. And he obviously saved her life while they were out in the out in the bush, yeah. and McDee was yeah. in another bush. Yeah. And I'm just hey, saying, she, her and Mick were in the bush. Yeah, is that honestly, code? he seems kind of douchey, but I yeah. don't have a problem with him. No, he doesn't. Yet, right? <laughs> Do you have a problem with Mever? Yes. Really? Well, the next day, Richard comes to see Sue. She's highly distracted. Richard kind of half asks, talks about a proposal when Sue's dad comes in, and it's his paper. He wants to, to have a big dinner because Sue is back. He wants to do a welcome back party. We cut to the night of the dinner. Richard, Sue, and Mick all go in the limo to Wayne Manor. Once there, <laughs> once there, the security dogs are out and they start to charge them all. But Mick hypnotizes them into being docile. And then this is what I wanted to ask Elaine: What is Sue wearing on her head, please? <laughs> she loves a, a head covering. She has a lot of head coverings, <laughs> and, that, and that's fine. She has a lot of head coverings, and I've seen all these head coverings before. This one... It's a hairnet. Is that what that is? Yes. It's a hairnet. It starts at one yeah. ear and goes to the other ear? Yes. Okay. So, I've never seen anything like so, this before. It's the same kind of hairnet, similar kind of thing as what a lunch lady would wear. Okay. Right? But instead of going over the whole scalp, it it like has clips on either side, and then the pouch holds the bottom of her hair. Now, 
This is not something we see a lot now as any kind of fashion accessory. <laughs> it's more like what you wear in the lunchroom not to get hair in my food. Or what but, you might wear if you're trying to keep your hair curly <laughs> at your house. <laughs> it just looked odd to like, me. I've never seen it before or since. So. But it, it's a hairnet, and I feel like you did see them sometimes in the 80s because there was a lot of experimental things happening in the 80s. And you would have seen it a lot, I think, in like the 30s. Mm. It, in like the 30s and 40s, it would have been a popular, along with like the just hair just turban. Retro, retro thing. So. Ooh, the turban. We should bring those back. All right. Well, <laughs> Sue's dad People is People wear pre- turbans, but it's generally like more of an ethnic hairstyle now. So it's, or if you have mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. Sue's dad is pleased to meet Mick. He saved his daughter's life after all, possibly multiple times. Mick charms pretty much every guest that he meets. At dinner, Richard has a big announcement, and he wants to. Uh, he wants him and Sue to get married. Sue's and very uncomfortable, is, but does not say no. This is my issue with this proposal. And then she stares at Dundee. He does it in front of everybody, mm-hmm. which a lot of people like to do. Uh, but the proposal specifically says that he and her father have been unsuccessful as her boss and her father or whatever their roles are at keeping her from traveling for work but maybe as her husband he'll be able to force her to stay at home <laughs> yeah not a good look and this was my problem with him i don't actually have a problem. i want to marry you so i can control where you go <laughs> I didn't read it that way. Well, you can way. see why. As soon as she gets out, she still falls in love with some I, Bushman. I didn't read it that way. I read it as, we poacher. want you to be here. We miss you. I some love you. I want you to be home. And maybe bastard. this will get you to stay. It's not. But I didn't read it that way. <laughs> I mean, Mick Dundee, and he, he's a poacher he who grabs like, people by the by I'm the not saying, he, This proposal doesn't have anything to do with... But I think what happens, what happens is Rich, apparently Richard runs the paper. Yeah. So it's So it's... She probably... Either fell in love with Richard and got him this job, or he worked there and they fell in love there. But it's kind of working its way out. They've been together for a while, and, and now Dundee's this shiny new thing, and that's why she's all attractive as well. From what who knows? Mm-hmm. Have to wait for the prequel. I feel like she doesn't. She enjoys the perks of being this rich person, but I feel like Richard is. He wants to be affluent. He wants money. That's part of his personality and his persona. But I feel like while Sue enjoys having money, she doesn't really care about the influence or the politics. She just wants to travel and see things and experience things. She's not... She probably would not be as happy if she was poor. And I don't think she realizes how much this money is giving her the chance to do what she wants. But I think the money itself is more important to Richard and they're not really in the same place in their life even though they're in the same kind of social circles and that's why it's not working they and they're really kind of growing apart. Yeah. They're not going to work out either way. But Yeah, I don't. Sure. I mean, I would say I don't think she's going to work out with Mick Dundee either but her and Paul Hogan got married and have a kid and are still together. No, they're not together. Well, it didn't say they got divorced in IMDb. <laughs> well, shortly after Mick leaves. Wikipedia uh, did that. Yeah. <laughs> he hops in the limo and he wants to go get pissed. Reggie has a bottle in the car though for medicinal purposes. Um, that's upsetting to me that my limo dryer has a bag of alcohol at the ready. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, but it's also power fine. According to the Wikipedia, they got divorced in 2014. Oh, mm. <laughs> oh that's too bad. Reggie uh, lets Mick out at Times Square and he wanders around um, and sees two night ladies and he thinks it might be Simone. So he gives over to him, but with a closer inspection, it's not her. Oh. But around the corner comes the pimp from earlier. This time he's got with two, some two large yep. two large blokes in tow. Mm-hmm. They beat they rough up Mick pretty good, but Reggie's was following them. He hits them with a limo and then it's, <laughs> yeah. throws smashes an, the windshield and then throws an antenna um, at him. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, he throws a boomerang at them. What's <laughs> and I know, it's and I know, a Boomerang. And then Nick is like, you are from a tribe. <laughs> you guys, Harlem Warlords. I knew you were tribal. The next day... Is that a gang? Harlem Warlords? I'm sure. I thought maybe it was a sports team, like his I high school. I thought he said Warthogs, and I thought it was his high school team. I thought it was a gang of Harlem Warlords. I thought it was... 
Warthogs would sound better. I I don't know. It's hard. It's sometimes it's hard to tell. The next day, Sue calls the plaza to check on Mick, but he's gone on walkabout across America. Sue shows up quickly to find him, but he's gone. The doorman tells her that he's headed for the subway. This bothers me. So her dad drops her off, and it's clear she has decided that she does not want to marry Richard. But could we get the scene of her telling Richard, I'm sorry, I can't marry you? I'm in love with Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, they could have had that Could we be a grown-up? She probably didn't tell him. They could have had that She obviously told her dad because he's like, are you sure about this? And she's like, yes, as she gets out of the limo. Uh Uh-huh. She probably didn't tell him. I just, I feel like I wanted that scene. This seems to be her deal. Maybe. So Sue chases him down, but the New York subway this time of day is apparently super busy, packed nuts to butts. So she has to yell to the others to... This time of day or just all the time? Um, in every other movie I've ever seen a subway, it's always three people. But this it's movie, either, it's like thousands of people. It's either me. super packed or there's um, yeah. a chick with a baby and six vampires. So, <laughs> right. So subways in New York are always pretty busy. I imagine. Especially where they are. But in movies, they always make it seem like nobody rides a subway ever except for like four people. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think they're pretty busy. It's how most people get around. But either way, she has to yell to other people to get her voice to carry. Uh, she says, look, she's not going to marry Richard. Telephone. She loves him. He smiles and climbs on top of everybody, stepping on their heads to get across, and then they kiss. And that's the end. The end. What did you think? Elaine. Oh! Uh, my favorite character is Mick, Crocodile Dundee himself. Michael J. Dundee. He is charming, and I do enjoy this character. Uh, my least favorite character, I went with Richard. I don't really Why? dislike Richard. I just didn't really need Richard to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite scene, I'm going to go with the end at the subway, because I do like this romantic game of telephone that we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me smile. What you want? My favorite line... I She's don't not going to marry Richard. This might be everybody's favorite line, but I am going to go with, that's not a knife. That's a knife. And then, you know what the punk kid says? Shit. He actually <laughs> said shit. <laughs> now he knows he's got to cover his ass. Uh, and my favorite tertiary object that. is the jacket that the pimp is wearing <laughs> during the fight. You're going to um, screw one of them. What the hell is that jacket? I mean, the pimp's thugs also were well-dressed. But the pimp's uh, jacket. I like the second movie better. I'm just going to put it out there. The plot in this is weird. Because there is no antagonist, really. And there's no reason for him to go with her to New York. Other than she asked him to. But, like... Oh, there's a reason. I know. But I just... He saw that Ironically, butt. it has to do with the bush. <laughs> but I just felt like the plot in the... He's a bushman. Is a little weak He's a here. bushman. But it's still enjoyable, and I'll watch it again. So I'm going to give it a very light yay. Very light. Carly? All right. Well, my favorite character is also Crocodile Dundee. My least favorite character is also Richard. My <laughs> favorite line is also, that's not a knife. This is a, is a So you don't need to go. Um, just say everything she said. <laughs> my favorite you can take the mic home with you. scene <laughs> is when he talks to strangers in New York City, especially the cocaine dude. Um, and my favorite tertiary object is his clothesline in the hotel, which is held up <laughs> he by throws, the knife. He threw a knife into the wall, and he ties his clothesline up to it. Like, um, and I agree with Elaine. This is a non-movie story. This is it's, a it prologue. Should, they should have this had a girl. They should have had a girl in on the writing team that knew a little bit about like a romance movie. This could movie. be covered in a flashback. Yeah. This could be the first ten minutes of the actual movie. I this is not a movie. This is like <laughs> the first episode of the sitcom before you get to the good stuff that's worth watching. I'll maybe it. It's fine. But it's I was like, what is this isn't a movie? <laughs> so Carl's walking home. I mean John? Yeah. I love this movie though. So, so my favorite character is also Crocodile uh, Dundee. Yeah. My no. least favorite character is Sue. Because, yep. yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> to your, to your bow-beater? Right. Yeah, I can see um, that. Yeah, she was a terrible... Richard didn't really do anything wrong. No, he didn't. 
So he, I don't know. There's really no other characters. I was if, gonna if ask anything, you, he upped the ante because he saw Dundee slide, and he's like, "All right, well, we'll get married." Yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite. Where did I do a favorite? At least favorite. Um, my favorite object is the dirty water dogs, because mm-hmm. they're delicious. <laughs> my Thank favorite uh, scene is the one with the knife. Yeah. That's the one, that's the mugging. Life. Yeah, the mugging. That's that's the one. What's your favorite line? I got it for you. Well, you see, Aborigines don't own the land. They belong to it. It's like their mother. See those rocks? Been the standing there for 60, 600 million years. Still be there when you and I are gone. So arguing over who owns them is like two fleas arguing over who owns the dog. Mm-hmm. It's a really good line. It's true. It is. And I will yay this while I don't, there's not a whole lot that goes on. I, I do, this is a fish out of water story. That's it. There doesn't need to be a protagonist, an antagonist, and a big conflict. Hey, what would happen if this guy comes here? This. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Oh, yay. <laughs> I feel like I would like to see a little bit more other than just him going to a couple of snooty parties as well. I think they should have either stayed in Australia for most of the movie and finished with their arrival in New York, or they should have spent less time in Australia before they went to New York. It was a weird half and half situation. It was very half and, and half. And it felt almost episodic. It. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is also half and half. Do you, had, is it? I yes, think because I think they're in New York less. They are in New York less, and then they're in Australia a lot more. I, I, I don't know. Matter. I have Go to ahead. watch it. it. Well, there's a lot. I mean, they watch it. You. I think maybe it just reads faster, but I feel like it's still. I mean, half maybe. the plot is New York, half the plot is Australia, because you know she's getting traced by a drug dealer from Michael Beach. Like you do. <laughs> That's My favorite character story. is Michael J. Crocodile Dundee. Luckily, you're all sitting. <laughs> My least favorite character is Sue. Really? She's terrible. My favorite scene is a tie between the kangaroos, the kangaroos shooting the drunk assholes or Mick saving uh, Sue from the gator. My favorite line... Uh, he, I like when he's in the, in the bar and he's just talking stupid shit. He says... You know, you guys got your Black Widow, but we got a funnel web spider that can kill a man in eight seconds just by looking at him. And uh, <laughs> he says, uh, what does he say? He goes, Ali, I do a lot of fishing because we got these big sharks, you know, like Jaws. I cut one open and I found three, three Filipino fishermen still in the boat. <laughs> but I really, my, but my, main, my main favorite line, though, is when he explains how crocs kill people with the death roll. Oh, I've always liked it. It, it, it reminds true? me. I don't know. Do we know? I, I think it is. I know a guy. I've seen him. Do it and move in. Is it the crocodile hunter? No, it's the dragon. Oh yeah, he would know. He would know. But um, we know a guy that works the the aquarium. Mm-hmm. But uh, it reminds me him explaining what the croc does to you reminds me of Grant explaining what velociraptors do to the little brat in Jurassic Park. So I, I like that. It seems something that it cuts you right. Yeah, you should watch. You should do Jurassic Park on. The no, way. you shouldn't. It doesn't qualify at all anywhere. I mean, I can do but it for. He birthday. can do it for his birthday. You would have to. And I might. He and I will eventually. It. It's one of his favorite movies, and it would be fun to talk about. And it's getting pretty old, so not many people are watching it. Yeah, they are. They're all watching the new ones. Sadly. My favorite Trish object is Mick's hat. It's a cool-ass hat. And it's not <laughs> the side-up like you expect with all the Australian thing. It's just basically basic cowboy hat, but it's got the cool croc teeth all around it mm-hmm. that he killed in self-defense. <laughs> and I will yay this movie. I agree. It's not the strongest plot in the world, and you could definitely punch it up. But... What do I know? He almost won an Academy Award for it. <laughs> so. He's very charming. Paul Hogan is charming, and this character is intriguing, even if he's not doing much of anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Carly? All right, well, please find us on Facebook.com slash The Underappreciated Movie Podcast. You can email on moviepodcast at gmail.com. Did you know you can email us? What? At Where? the unmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Unmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Shocking. I check it like every two days. Now look, upcoming. We have some birthday picks. Whose birthday's coming for up? For Elaine's birthday in July. What? And John's birthday in August. I don't now, have a listener. I don't have a movie pick for John's birthday. Oh. <laughs> if you would like to email suggestions. <laughs> I do have one pick for Elaine. <laughs> I can't wait to do a link for it. However, I don't get to do that next time because we're still until the end of June. <laughs> so, what'd you pick? Uh, next week on uh, the podcast. It's Carly's pick. God. We're going to go with 2004's Wimbledon. 
Ooh. Oh, that stupid movie with the about tennis with uh, yes. what's her name and uh, and Jeff and Paul Bettany. Yeah, him. <laughs> that's not Jeff. That's I can't spell Wimbledon. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I will listen to your thoughts, but I will not let them hurt my feelings. <laughs> you didn't make the movie. Do you have a song? I do. It's got to get to fucking... <laughs> On the wings of love. Is there a commercial about metal in your lungs? No. That's metal. In your lungs. <laughs> I just listened to the blades of yesterday. Uh, uh, Iraqula. Metal in your lungs. That's metal. In your lungs. I wanted to do a summary warm weather movie. Okay. Just why I picked this. One. Something at the beach? Yeah. I almost picked Eat, Pray, Love. Hmm? Sorry. But I, I, that movie is long. <laughs> I think that movie. A while hey, you know how I did Fight Club? Wimbledon is the exact opposite of that. Is it a movie? 